You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. A rest for the people of God. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. May God add his blessing to that reading. Amen. That's my prayer as well, Judy. Thank you for reading that out. Uh, It's good to be here. I thank you for having me again. I was here about a month ago and uh, had a great time uh, with you and spoke to Steve and I said, anytime you want to have me back, I'll come back. He said, how about in a month? And I said, okay. Let's do that. And uh, but it's, it's great to be here. I've caught up with some of you. I, 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 met, I met Maxine this morning, had a great chat with you and uh, Charlie, a couple of others as well. And uh, I, I really feel very welcomed each time I come to this church. So thank you so much. And uh, so we're going to uh, continue through this series through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews. It, it's a fantastic book. Um, one thing that I really like about it, it's very much the message of this morning's sermon, is the way that it turns our eyes upon Jesus. It reminds me of a song that we sang about 20 minutes ago, that, that we turn our eyes upon Jesus. And I, w- I want you to imagine for a second, imagine being in the early church. I'm, talk- I'm talking about the super early church, being a Jewish person who has grown up only understanding the Torah, the, the, what we understand the Old Testament to be, this, this Old Testament God, our, our view of him, uh, growing up and, and your father, sitting at the table while your father takes you through the Passover meal, reading stories about King David and, and Elijah and Moses and Joseph and, and, and all these stories and having a picture of God in your head, having a picture of God in your head and then one day you hear about this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, this, this guy who, who at the time, they understood Christianity to be a cult. It was like a cult of, of the Jewish faith. It was this like little thing which kind of shot off the side of the Jewish faith. And all of a sudden that there's these stories about this Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah, the, the, the one who was going to be uh, sent and, and to redeem his people and, uh, and, and then he died on this cross but then there's these stories about him rising again and 
understanding and, and kind of coming into that faith, kind of understanding that, yes, what, what Jesus says about himself is true, but at the same time, just understanding this complete, not so much of a turnaround, but this, this big mind shift. The way that we understand God wasn't so much wrong, but it wasn't completely right as well. There was something different, something more, something more to understand. And understanding that, that, that we understand who God is more, the more we look at Jesus. What, what, an, what, what, what I mean, like we look back because a lot of us have grown up in the church, this is all very familiar for us, but that would have been a major shift for them. But the key was to keep their eyes on Jesus. Keep their eyes on Jesus. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. And so what we're going to do is, I'm going to kind of work our way through the, the passage again, and we're going to pick up a couple of things as we, go, as we go. And I've just forgotten that I haven't prayed. I always like to pray before I start as well. So before we jump into the text again, let me just pray as well, if you don't mind. God, uh, we want to thank you so much again for who you are, for your word, uh, which has been given to us so freely that edifies us that reveals more of who you are. Father, and I pray now as we open up your, your precious word that we will eat, that we will eat your word, that we will consume it. Lord, not, not, th not that we just go through the motions this morning, not that we just uh, attend church and listen to a talk, but Lord, we engage with your word through your spirit and that it will bring life to us this morning. Lord, that you will help us believe it. Not just that we read it, but we believe it as we head out uh, from this place here this morning. And I pray now that you use this humble, broken servant uh, to preach your word and to glorify you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are, we're going to start from the, the start of Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. So, Previously to, to this chapter here, uh, the writer of Hebrews, who we think is probably Paul, but probably used uh, Luke, actually, we think, uh, to actually write out the book, um, has just talked about the humanity of Jesus. Okay, we understand, in fact, I'm just going to quickly jump back for a second, uh, just at the end of Hebrews 2, verse 17 says this, talking about Jesus, it says, therefore... He had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So we understand Jesus is the eternal God. Okay, three persons, one God, the eternal God coming into the earth, taking on flesh. But that taking on flesh um, isn't just like, oh, he's God and he's kind of in a flesh suit. It, like, you know, he's like kind of stepped into this, you know, kind of zipped it up at the side and he's got his flesh suit on. It wasn't like that. The, the Bible says that he became like man in every way. His glory was veiled. He experienced this earth like a man, like we do. Uh, he, to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. So that's what's just been spoken about. So, so uh, as, as the, the writer continues on, he's, he's saying, um, consider Jesus both the apostle. The apostle, uh, that just meant someone who is sent. Someone who is sent with a message. 
and high priest. A high priest was someone who would represent the people of God. They would represent the people of God uh, and they would be justified before God. That was the role of a high priest. They were a mediator. Um, someone who would make sacrifices uh, and, and the people of God would find forgiveness. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a second. So consider Jesus as both an apostle and a high priest. And that word consider, it means more than what we think of as, as consider. Like we might consider whether we'll have ice cream or yogurt for dessert. Well, actually, the probably, we don't really need to consider that. It's, the answer is always ice cream, if you're throwing those two things together. But, but it, it's more than just having a little bit of a think about. That, that word um, consider actually means to, to discern clearly, to learn, to, to, to gaze upon, to understand. So consider Jesus. Understand Jesus. Think about Jesus. If you've got the NIV, it, I, I kind of like what the NIV says. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Verse 2, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all, in all God's house. So the writer now has been talking about Jesus, but kind of shifts our focus to Moses. And he does this for a reason. Um, and, and what he does is he makes this comparison between Moses and Jesus. Okay, Moses was someone who was highly revered amongst the Jewish people. Um, he, you know, the Jewish people, if, if they were to say, you know, who is the greatest prophet, who is the greatest sent one from God, they would say Moses. There was a, there's a lot to choose from, but Moses. Okay, and why? Well, 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 they would probably list these three things. They would say, well, God used him to rescue the nation of Israel out of slavery uh, from Egypt. What an amazing thing. And it truly is an amazing thing. God used him to reveal his law. The Jewish people treasured, cherished the law of God. And God used Moses to reveal that law to them. God also used Moses to lead his people through the wilderness to the promised land. Moses was a faithful man, highly revered amongst the Jewish people. And I want you to remember those three points as well. They're up there. We're going to come back to them in, in, in a moment. But those three things led, led them out of slavery, revealed his law, and then led them through the wilderness. Verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. I'm going to read that again. Remember, remember how highly they revered who Moses was. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more glory than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So when we look at a house, we might go, man, that's a nice house. Okay, and we might even kind of show appreciation for the house. This, is, this here is a beautiful building. I love this building. We, we can show appreciation for it. But the person who deserves more appreciation is the builder, the builder and the architect, the one who designed it. And, and, and that's what's being said here, uh, that Jesus isn't just a part of the house. Jesus created the house. He designed 
the house. So he's deserving of so much more glory. Verse five, now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken of later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses was faithful as a servant, but Jesus is faithful as a son. And we are in his house if indeed we hold fast to our confession and our boasting is in our hope. So once again, there is this comparison between Moses and Jesus. And in verse 5 it says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were to be spoken of later. What's that talking about? What's that talking about? Um, when we see Jesus in Luke chapter 24, and he's, well, we don't actually know it's Jesus. He's just kind of described as a stranger. Um, but there are two of Jesus' disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, and they meet this stranger. And they, they, but they don't recognize that it's Jesus. He's been veiled. Uh, I think supernaturally veiled for a purpose. And they're talking to him. And, uh, and, and, and this stranger, Jesus, starts to talk about um, the Old Testament. And it says this in verse 27. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He, he talks about the things concerning himself. So the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a testimony to Jesus. I describe the Old Testament as like a, a massive arrow. It's an arrow pointing to the person of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Let's have a look at this. Remember those three points from before, okay? God used Moses to rescue the Israelites out of slavery of Egypt. An amazing thing. But what does Jesus do? Jesus has rescued us from our slavery to sin. He's freed us from true eternal slavery. God used Moses to reveal his law. An amazing thing in the desert. Jesus fulfilled the law because we never could if it were up to us. That was a difficult thing about the law is that it was good and it was revered, but it was impossible to attain. But that's why it's an arrow, it's a pointer to Jesus because the, the, the point of the law is not to make salvation possible for us. The point of the law is to say that, that in our own strength, if it was up to us, salvation is impossible because we can't meet that such a high demand. We can't meet perfection. But Jesus could. He fulfilled the law because we couldn't. Point number three, God used Moses to lead his people through the wilderness. Jesus leads us through the wilderness of life. Here we are right now. We, we are in, the Bible describes this as the wilderness. We haven't yet met, we haven't yet reached the promised land where we have eternal communion uh, with God, where the land is flowing with milk and honey which actually doesn't sound that appetizing. I don't know if those two things go well. I'm pretty sure it's, there's like a picture there. I think it's just an analogy of saying, it's really, really good. 
But we're, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We haven't reached the promised land. We're in the wilderness. But Jesus will lead us through. So the challenge for these Israelites, if, if you think back to the start where I talked about the, these Jewish people, these Israelites who, uh, who had become Christians, they were kind of going to church and they were trying to think about how do I put all these things together? Um, we can focus our things on things other than Jesus. Um, that's the challenge. We can look at these men like King David, like Elijah, the prophet, Abraham, Jacob, and there are things that we can learn from them. But at the end of the day, their lives are testimonies of the person of Jesus. And so we should do the same thing that they would have done, which is to fix our eyes on him. Fix our eyes on him. And so I want to give you some hope this morning. I want to give you some hope. And then I want to provide a challenge because... Um, Hope is good, but challenge is good as well. It says this in, uh, in verse 5. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were spoken of later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses was a servant. Jesus was the son. Moses was considered to be the greatest man ever, for the Jewish person. And this passage isn't so much criticizing who Jesus, who, 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 sorry, who Moses was, but it's elevating who Jesus is. You see, Moses was just simply a member of the house. Christ created the house. I, I mentioned this just a little while ago. And although Jesus was a man, he was also, he was also God, fully man and fully God, something we call the incarnation. But our trust in man is always tenuous. Our trust in man, we can never trust man completely. And when I say man, I'm talking about humankind. Men, women, children. We can't trust humans completely. Humans will, at some point, maybe they're a very trustworthy person, but at some point, people will let us down. I'm a pastor, I will let people at my church down. It's going to happen, because I'm not God. And, you know, I think, I think, in fact, if we were to sit down with people in this room right now, I think each person would have a story, if not a handful of stories, about how someone else in the church has let them down. And maybe even it was one of the church leaders. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because we're not God. The, the, the people on your eldership are not God. I, I knew Jono when he was 13 years old. He's not God. <laughs> he's great. I love him. I love Happy birthday. Uh, I love him. He's, he's great. Um, but, but we're not God. Steve, I, I worked with Steve. I could tell you stories. He's not God. But people will let us down. Servants in the house will let us down. But Jesus is not a servant. He's the son. He's God's son. He was God in human form. And he will not let us down. He leads us 
through the wilderness. And the wilderness is dry at times. And the wilderness is rough. And it's long. And you look over the horizon and you can't see the end. And you think, where is this Moses, right? This Jesus, where is he leading me? But Jesus is not, a, Jesus, yes, he took, he was a man, but he was the God man. So he will not let us down. Jesus was there at the moment of creation, John 1 tells us. Tells us that all things were made through him. He saw the events of history unfold. He was there with the Father when they um, planned this story of redemption, which we are a part of. He knows the end. When you read the book of Revelation, there's a whole bunch, whole bunch of uh, different ideas about what Revelation means. I'm not going to go into there too specifically, but the one thing that we know is that Jesus wins. Jesus wins because he's God. And so, church, we can place our faith and hope in him fully. And he will never, he will never let us down. Here's some more hope for us this morning. That, that's, that's the first one. That because Jesus is God, he won't let us down. We can trust him. Second one, it's kind of similar as I, as I kind of look over my notes. Moses failed. Have a think about this for a second. Moses failed. Moses was, like I said, he was revered by the Jewish people, but he failed. God, God said, I want you to take my people out of Egypt, lead them through the wilderness, and bring them into the promised land. He got pretty close, but he failed. And I, you guys have just been going through uh, the Exodus story, the, the, this story. Did you get as far as um, the, the leading up to the promised land? Did you? Okay, sorry. Spoiler, spoiler. Sorry about that. Spoiler alert, he fails. God, so, 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 okay, I'm just kind of going through my notes. He failed. He was a great man. He was a faithful man, but he failed in the end. Have a think about this for a second, church. Imagine we believed in a saviour who could fail, who could fail to save. I think about the anxiety that we feel as people in this world already. I, I do not know what it would be like if I believed in a Jesus who could fail to bring me salvation. I, I don't think I could handle it. I remember uh, talking to two Mormons uh, who came and I actually really, I really like when I, I don't, so okay, there's, Two different kinds of knocks at the door. One of them I like, one of them I don't. The first one is when they're trying to sell me something and I'm just shut them down, not, not interested, off you go. Uh, the second one is when they're like Jehovah's Witness or Mormons and something like that. And that, I love that. I love getting a chance to, to talk about uh, different, you know, different religions where, where they're similar but they're not too similar um, and, and where they're very, very different. And I was out mowing the lawn one day and these two young guys, smartly dressed, I picked him for Mormon straight away. Um, came up and, the, and I turned off the... I was a bit annoyed actually at the start because I had to turn off the lawnmower. Um, but they're like, oh, hi, you know, we're, we're here, I'm elder such and such and so on. So I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. That wasn't, that wasn't their actual names. They had names, I just can't remember. And, and they were like, oh, look, we're here. And they said, oh, can we mow your lawn for you? And I said, oh, look, in retrospect, I probably should have just said yes because I just wanted to be nice. But <laughs> I, I wanted to... Um, 
I wanted to just engage with them in conversation, and, and so I did. And, 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 we, and we talked about a whole bunch of things about their faith, uh, which is quite different from the Christian faith, although they use similar language, but there's very much differences. And, and, and they had an answer for a lot of things. They, they had, you know, I'd ask them about, you know, where the Book of Mormon came from, the different views of Jesus. They believe in a Jesus who was a brother of Satan, where that's very different from our understanding. Um, but they had lots of answers for me when I was kind of bringing challenges and questions. But at the end, I asked them one question, and this one truly stumped them. I said, let's just assume that you're right. Let's assume that you're right, I'm wrong. That, that, that Mormonism, the Book of Mormon, uh, Pearl of Great Price, all those things are true, that, that you have the truth. If that is the case, assuming that that is the case, are you 100% guaranteed that you will get to heaven? And this is what I heard. They had an answer for every other question and challenge that I gave them. This was the one that stumped them. Because the reality is that if we have to rely on our own works, if we have to rely on our own deeds, I think about the week that I've just had and my own personal failures and sins. And I'm sure that all of us can think about those same things. Imagine if it was up to us. We would be hopeless. And that's why I was met with silence. Because in their faith, ultimately it's up to them. If it was up to Moses to bring us into the promised land, where would our hope be? But we don't have Moses as our saviour. We have Jesus, the God-man. See, it's not just that Jesus is mighty to save, although he is. It's not that just that Jesus um, has the power to save, although he does. Jesus saves. Jesus actually accomplishes what he sets out to do, which is to save. Jesus promised that I will build my church. That's what he said. He said, I'm not going to leave it up to your pastors to build my church or my disciples. I'm going to do it. And we need to trust him to do that. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. Jesus accomplishes what he sets out to do, which is to save. And if your faith is in your own works here this morning, church, it's not going to get you there. If your faith is in the people who lead this church or is in you know, the, the, the leader of uh, the nation, if that's where you're getting your hope, they're going to fail you. But Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. So consider him. Behold him. That same word is rendered, is rendered as behold in some other passages. Behold him. Think about him. Learn from him. Walk with him. He will never fail you. So trust in him. The passage goes on, however, from a message of hope to a warning. To a warning. The previous section just has just spoken about Moses, his, his, role, his role as a leader of the Israelites. And the tone very much now shifts. It says this in, in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they will go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. See, once again, spoiler alert, you haven't got there yet, but Moses leads his people to the border of the promised land. But something stops them. There's a hardness of their heart. They don't trust God. They see the challenges in the, in the promised land. They call them giants. Um, and, they, they, and even though they've trusted God to bring them so far, they thought, God can't, can't do that. Yep, he, he, can, he can part the Red Sea. He can free us from slavery. He can lead us through the wilderness um, with a cloud and a pillar of fire. But he, but he can't beat that. And there was a distrust, a hardening of their hearts. That entire generation lost their faith in God and they never saw the promised land, church. They never saw the promised land. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Church, we have a powerful and perfect saviour But our faith isn't just a get your ticket punched and you're in. It's not just a you're baptised as a child and you're in. The test of true faith is how we live out this wilderness period. And as believers in Christ, we need to be careful to keep our eyes on Christ and not let our hearts go hard. Never take your faith for granted. The Bible tells us we should test our faith, and we should. As we take communion, it's, there's a remembering of who Jesus is, but there's also a self-reflection. Where is Jesus for me right now? Is he truly king of kings in my life, or is he just on the side? Church, we need to be careful to, to consider Jesus, to keep him first, not to take our faith for granted. How can hardening occur in our lives? It can occur through sin, through a secret sin, through, through, unre- through uh, someone who is unrepentant. It can happen from hurt and disappointment from God, from other Christians, from family members, people who we held up and revered but failed. Hardening of the heart can happen because of fear of the unknown, not trusting that God can do what he set out to do. Ephesians 4 verse 18 says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Church, we need to consider Jesus daily. Not just look back on an event of our past, I'm not saying that 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 wasn't a true step of faith, but our faith is a daily walk, a daily walk, keeping Jesus at the forefront, keeping Jesus as centre, not letting our hearts go hard with disappointment, with sin, 
with the fear of the unknown, but we need to trust in him. So consider Jesus. What does that look like for us? Just as we start to close, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus in your hurt and in your pain. Remind yourself that Jesus also experienced immense pain. It wasn't fake. He he was truly a man. That he knows our pain. We consider the Jesus who, who wept at the news of his friend Lazarus, who he loved, who had died. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, who sweated blood due to his intense anxiety about what he was about to do on the cross. That was real. Consider Jesus in the challenge that you are facing. That decision that you need to make. Remember that he was faithful all the way to the cross. That he calls us to cast our cares on him. Not just that he wants us to do that, but he is able to take that. He promises to be with us till the end of time. It's the same promise that he gave to the the Israelites in the Old Testament. It's repeated in the book of Hebrews. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That is true. Do you believe it? is, Is that a prayer in your daily life? Yes, Jesus, I believe that you are with me today. Through this wilderness, through the unknown, through the challenges, you are leading me like Moses led the people of of Israel. Is that your prayer? Consider Jesus in the silence. Even though God's presence and his voice seem far away, you can hear his voice daily through his word, through the Bible. Even if we feel distant from him, his Bible, his word is there and his spirit will bring it about, making it a reality in our lives. Finally, consider Jesus in your sin. The God-man on the cross. The God-man who loved you so much that he died for you. He took your sin and he took it completely. He fulfilled the law as a perfect man so because you were unable to, so that you could be forgiven, so you could have restored relationship with him. You were freed from the slavery of sin. You have been, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian here, you have been led through baptism and repentance. And you were freed from that guilt so that you could live in grace. So church, can I encourage you to consider Jesus this morning? And if you're a visitor or if if you are just trying to understand what is this Christianity all about? Maybe you considered yourself a Christian in the past but you're not certain today. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. But that hope isn't in you. That hope isn't your family or your friends or the leaders of this country, the politicians. 
Your hope is in Jesus. We are imperfect people and we see it in ourselves every single day. If it was up to you, you would have no hope. That is the truth of the gospel. But the hope and the other truth of the gospel is that by placing our faith in Jesus, declaring him as Lord and Saviour of our lives, that is where true hope is. And it's a perfect hope. And it's a powerful hope. So if you are here visiting, not sure about your faith, can I ask you this morning to consider Jesus? Consider him today. Let me pray. Yes, Lord, we come before you now humbly, understanding what it truly means to have a true and perfect representation of us before the Father and understanding that you, Jesus, have done that perfectly. Help us not to to take that lightly, to, to take that for granted, but help that to be a reality for us day by day. Father, I pray for people in this church this morning who, who, who have challenges in this wilderness, who have challenges of, in their work, in their family, mental health challenges. Lord, I pray that they will see that you are their God, that they can trust in you completely, that you will lead them through. Father, for anyone here this morning who is distant from you, who, uh, who doesn't know you. Father, I pray that right now that your spirit will be speaking to them, will be drawing them to you, drawing them to your side. Father, I pray that your spirit will help them to consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. Lord, thank you so much for your precious word this morning. Thank you for this church. I pray for, that you are glorified in everything that has happened this morning. And I want to thank you for your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.